Welcome back to Under Pressure, your favorite business builder podcast for the pressure washing community. Today, we're very excited to bring to you Steve Wilson of CBiz. Hello, Steve. <laughs> Jake, how are you? It's good to be here. I'm doing very well. I'm glad to glad to see you today. Um, I met Steve in Orlando at the joint PWNA IWCA event, um, and you were actually one of the first people I, I met at that event. So it's nice to see you back here. That's <laughs> good. Yes, and same for you, right? You were one of the first ones I ran into. So absolutely, it was a fun event too. I really enjoyed it. It was a great event. A lot of great education. Met a lot of great people there, and. Um, there were a lot of really good conversations about the the environment in the industry now and then the future of the industry. And one of the things I had been talking to Steve about would actually, before I go there, let's give them a little bit of background on, on what you do with CBiz. What, what is your background and how does it relate to this industry? Got it. Okay. So I'll try to make a, a really long story, not too long, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, CBiz itself, that stands for Century Business Services. Um, we're actually a publicly traded company. Um, so CBZ, that's where CBiz comes from. Um, and so there's two sides to CBiz. One side of it is, and I'm being very simple here, it, it's everything related to money for the most part. So it's... Mm-hmm. it's Financial consulting, tax, accounting, audits, um, turnarounds—you know, corporate turnarounds, mergers and acquisitions—it's everything except for you know loans um, mm-hmm. and banking. And then the other side of the company is people. And and again, I'm being overly simplistic, but it's human capital consulting, HR, employee benefits, insurance, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my background, oddly, my educational background is is a combination of finance and something called organizational psychology, which is a really complicated way of just saying HR, um, <laughs> right? But just more from a numbers perspective. And it's just how do people and money go together within a business to help make it successful or, or you know, the opposite, quite honestly, it, it could, could go the other way. Um, so that's what, see, this is a natural fit for me. I actually work on the people side of the house. Um, our, our little group is kind of under the radar. So if you look us up online, you really won't find it much about it. It's almost like wholesalers. We work with what are called aggregators. And, mm-hmm. and in our world, that would mean um, an association or a buyer's group or maybe a professional employer organization. And we're kind of the back end that, that they'll never that nobody ever sees, but we're creating all of those things that they're turning around and, and providing to their clients or their members that are valuable. Um, so that I don't know if that helps, if that gives kind of the background, if that's what you're looking for. But absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So and this is one of the conversations that I wanted to get to. So so we meet at the at the conference and we were talking a little bit about this, a little bit about what you do. And I thought it was in, very interesting what you were talking about. Is there a new program that you have um, yeah, for so the, that was, the association? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was there um, to to talk and learn more about the industry, but there is a um, uh, a very special, unique form of employee benefits that's been endorsed by the association. It's a direct mm-hmm. response to a lot of the problems that we just see in general related to healthcare. And it's it's like, like everything; it's not perfect, right? It's not the perfect solution, but it is a very interesting alternative to those uh, that feel really underserved by the existing healthcare system as far as insurance goes, um, right? I don't mean 
you feel like your doctor is no good. That's not the point, right? Yeah. But the insurance models that that businesses, small businesses especially, that have these you know high deductible plans that make people feel like they don't have coverage. It's a it's a direct response to to that type of an employee benefit. Let's talk a little bit about um, the employee benefits, right? So it, this is your wheelhouse. It sounds like the the people side of it and the, and the money side of that. So. I guess for someone just to get into it, broach the subject very high level, beginner wise, mm-hmm. how would you recommend someone who is, is trying to grow a pressure washing company? How would you recommend they look at it and, and prioritize things in, in this sphere? So as far as benefits go, right? Jim? Yeah. As far as if you're trying to grow a company, when when's that something you have to start worrying about and, and how do you prioritize just... From your perspective, how do you optimize that? It's really hard, right? When you think about somebody starting a business, right? Usually, and again, I'm going to be very simplistic here, right? It might be just one person just mm-hmm. who's, who's taken what used to be a job, and now they're going to turn that into a business. And so they're still doing that job, um, but they're doing it for themselves as opposed to right for a company. Um, so at that point, you're really not looking at, at anything, but then if everybody gets into the same problem and this problem, actually, I love this question now that I'm thinking about it as I'm answering it, because it's the same problem that Microsoft has. It's the same problem that Walmart has. It's the same problem that a regional company has. It's, it's time. Mm-hmm. All right. So I start a business, it's just me, I get a certain number of customers, but then at some point, I have to figure out how to hire some people, right? Because I'm not, I'm never gonna grow, I'm never gonna be able to make more money, I'm never gonna make this something bigger than what it is unless I can charge enough to have enough in the way of profits to start hiring people, right? So it's that whole, how do I get enough money um, and you know, so how do I do that? Right. I need money to hire somebody. And then that person's going to start to take over some of the things that I do. Right. So that I can spend more time growing, but in order to grow and get that time, I need the money. Right. It's this endless cycle of oh, yeah. figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And every single time is as far as growth of a business, it's just, how do I break through that cycle? And then how do I break through it and keep doing it and keep doing it? Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, that's the first part that you have to figure out. And then from there, if you know, to, to answer your question more directly, when it's related to employees, you really, I hate to say it because nobody wants to think about it, but you have to do it from the beginning. And I don't yeah. mean that because it's self-serving to me in any way, but just in the industry in general, if you think about the economics of, of hiring and compensation, most small business owners will just start with what is what I think is the hourly rate out there and then can I pay a little extra? And yep. what most of them don't realize is that when, as soon as you do that and you start paying that wage, there's a whole bunch of other costs that come with it. Unemployment um, insurance, state and federal, FICA tax, workers' compensation insurance. And all of that is based on wages, right? So yep. every dollar you give in wages increases those costs as well. So if you have benefits built into overall compensation, it's actually cheaper on the business over the long run. Uh, yeah. Because you're not paying those additional fees on those benefits, but trying to structure that, right? It's a very simple question, but it doesn't have a simple answer. It really doesn't. And most business owners figured out through trial and error over time. So for the uninitiated here, why would they want to um, leverage a benefits package instead of in, instead of just raising um, hourly wages or wages? 
what what exactly is the the tax benefit? Is it pre-tax? Is that why it's a benefit to both of you? Well, so yeah, so so for the business owner, right? So if I'm looking at and there's a number of pieces to this, but it, let's say I'm gonna and let's use round numbers. Nobody's gonna pay this anymore, right? <laughs> this doesn't fit for the industry, but it's easy. Ten bucks an hour, right? Yeah. So yeah, easy math. <laughs> just easy math, right? So so maybe my unemployment rate and my FICA tax and my workers comp. And, and and whoever's listening to this, please don't hold me to these numbers for your industry. Right? I may not be exact on this, but for math purposes, just for math purposes, let's say it's fifteen percent, um, right? So for every ten dollars that I'm giving in wages, I now have to give another what's what's fifteen percent of ten bucks? A buck fifty, right? So I'm actually yeah. giving eleven fifty, um, but the employee doesn't get eleven fifty; they get ten, but then they owe taxes on that. They have to pay mm-hmm. FICA, they have to pay federal and state, and maybe local tax. So maybe they're going home with seven. So if you think about that, right, 1150 is being spent by the business to give them $7. That's not really a, an efficient use of money, right? So yeah. if you can make some of that wage, some of that overall compensation benefits-based, whether that's a retirement plan or health insurance or something else, those are not subject to workers' comp. You're, you're getting a write-off for that like you would the wages. Um, but but the employees are getting actually more value, right? So a retirement plan is going to going to grow over time, and employees are going to have more to show for that. The insurance, the health insurance, is going to keep them and their family members healthy. And the other thing you notice when you start to offer um, compensation in this way is that you start to eventually, over time, it doesn't happen overnight, but you start to attract better overall employees, yeah. right? So that employee who wants that extra 50 cents an hour, they're going to leave you for another 25 in two months if somebody else comes along and does the same thing. And now you're spending all your time rehiring, right? And so employees that want benefits don't want to go look for another job. They have responsibilities. They have people they care about. They are focused on on maintaining that, that job. Um, and being a good employee to keep that job. And they tend to want those benefits. So it's not always obvious and it doesn't happen immediately. But over time, you end up with better employees. Um, and just Absolutely. like a sports team, right? Whoever's got the best, whoever's got the best team is, is you almost always going to win. Um, and Absolutely. that's all you're trying to do here. So. so I was so excited to have you on today for that reason, for what you just explained. Uh, we on this podcast like to talk about, you know, how you can optimize your business, whether whether it is the pay structure or, or anything like that. We've had mm-hmm. accountants on. We've had uh, just a bunch of different people on and helping um, the audience and the listeners of the show optimize things that they might not have heard of or might not have thought of before. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of them have heard of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one other thing I want to talk about in regards to um, you know, increasing the value you offer to your employees as a contractor. Um, what do you, you, you talked about attracting better, um, better employees or team members, if that's what you call them. But do you see also a change in retention? Because I know training can be very expensive um, mm-hmm. and having high turnover in employees or team members can, can be very expensive. And that, that might be another huge added benefit to a benefits package that you're now mm-hmm. offering them more value and keeping people for longer. So not only are you paying less taxes to keep them happy, but you're also then saving costs on just being having a higher retention rate. Do you see that? I do. Um, and I don't know if this is going to encapsulate 
what you've just asked, but it's it's a it's an actual example, and it's a different yeah. industry, right? So this is an individual that small business had a, a contracting. He was concrete contractor, right? So small company, about ten employees, um, four key real key guys, right? That have been with him forever, that he really liked. Um, six that he just constantly cycled through. They just weren't real good, right? So. Um, he was also um, a firefighter. I won't tell you where any of that, right? So he was a, <laughs> a lieutenant, actually, right? So one day on, two days off, he had this firefighter gig, and then he had his company that he did mm-hmm. as well. So um, so one day when he's off, he goes to check on his guys. It's a Saturday, and um, one of them was drunk, right? Like just uh, not a uh, little, just, just blasted. Um, so he fires him on the spot. Right. So again, we're talking about retention and and all the hassles that come with this. So um, here was the weird thing that happened with this from a compliance perspective. So the guy goes and he files for unemployment. Um, Somehow, and we're not 100% sure where this happened, but eventually somehow he got in touch with an attorney somewhere who suggested that um, he had a disability. He was drunk because he was an alcoholic and that he should have been protected under ACA. And there was like this whole thing (laughs) associated with it. Um, And it turned out, and I got all of this information after the fact, right? So, So what had happened was the attorney had reached out to him. The attorney had done some research. The attorney had found out that he was also a firefighter and took calls while he was on the job and threatened to call other people and 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 jeopardize that job. And eventually, it led yeah. to a settlement. He wasn't even subject to to, to, to ADA, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, he wasn't even big enough, right? So it's wow. just like that whole mess and that process and and the money that it cost him. Um, he also had like a number of employees that he was just constantly cycling through, right? And that was just one. So yeah. he'd have these other guys and he'd have to fire them and rehire. And and he would his hiring tactic was to go to a, a, a gas station and look for his competitors' trucks. And when they got out to fill up the truck, he would hand them a card and say, I'll pay you a little more if you come over here. <laughs> so, so, but it never worked out, right? Like the guys were messing up jobs. They, he kept having to pay overtime for these guys. He kept having to, right? Like yeah. he's got to get more inventory, right? More concrete and cement. And just, just, it was just a mess. And well, just sure, if you're, high, if right? you're poaching someone at a gas station, then I'm sure they're also going to be easy to poach by the next guy who offers yeah. them a... Right. So, so, so these guys aren't working hard. They're, they're racking up overtime. They're the, you know, the, 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 his customers are upset because the jobs are taking too long. Things are done wrong, right? It's costing him money. He had essentially no profit margins, really minimal. Yeah. Right. So but by the time we got in there to, to fix it, the, one of the keys to that was number one, which is not benefits related at all, but have proper rules, right? Have, have policies and procedures and employee handbooks and, and, and yeah. actually manage people that piece combined with um, putting together a benefits package that actually attracted people worked in this case. And it took about three years for it to start to turn around. Um, But then what started happening was he wasn't having to go to a gas station to find employees. He was, he had people that would show up on time. They weren't stealing from him. They, they cared about the job. Jobs were getting done on time. Profit margins started to come up. Right. We weren't paying extra in workers comp to pay higher wages. We weren't yeah. paying extra in FICA or, or unemployment. Um, over time, his unemployment rate started to come down. 
Uh, because again, like you said, turnover. He wasn't constantly having to deal with with I with the um, the the unemployment office at his state. So there was a lot of a lot of that. And I don't like I'm trying to be high level at the same time yeah. be in the weeds with this. But there there's so much that's interconnected between the employees. It's not just wages. It's the wages affect the the revenues. The 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 effectiveness of your advertising, your marketing, your online presence, all of that is affected by the quality of your employees. And and one of the influences on that is is your benefits package. So sorry, Absolutely. long-winded response, but no, that was um, perfect. That was perfect because at the end of the day, these these businesses are machines with all these different cogs in it to keep it to keep it rolling. And we want to have a well-oiled and optimized for efficiency machines. That's why I love having uh, someone like you, Steve, who has a great perspective that adds a, a fresh take to the conversation of, of something that you can optimize in your business that you may not have thought of that can then you know snowball into the, all these other positive effects. Yeah, it's it's uh, companies when they get big enough, one of the primary ways they grow is through acquisitions, right? So you're mm -hmm. just, you're buying a book of business essentially, but you're also buying mm -hmm. those employees. If you're not big enough to buy another company, the easiest way to to accomplish that is really just to acquire their employees, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean higher wages. It means a better place to work and benefits are a piece of that. So if you're being yeah. competitive um, and, and competition isn't just within the industry, right? You're competing against other industries as well. And if you can pull in talent from somewhere else, again, over the long run, you're going to you're going to do much better. Um, but it, it's not an overnight fix by any means. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor, Pair Payments, and we will be right back. You certainly can't afford to give profit away for no reason. But what if I told you credit card processors may be overcharging you and robbing you of profits you've worked hard to earn? It's time to put an end to being overcharged for payment processing. It's time to take back your profits. That's why we've put together a free report, How to Avoid Being Overcharged by Your Payment Processor. Head over to TakeBackYourProfits.com, download the report, and put an end to being overcharged for credit card processing. You've worked hard for your sales, and you deserve to keep it. What are you waiting for? Go to TakeBackYourProfits.com and download your report today. Welcome back to Under Pressure. Again, we are so excited to have Steve Wilson of CBiz with us here today. So, Steve... Um, you had talked about this unique offering that you were at this conference to talk about. So could you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I can. Or at least I'll do my best, right? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the idea here is that associations – well, here, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So yeah. I'm sure this isn't news to anybody, but the U.S. as a whole has the most expensive health care on the planet, right? So So – what we pay for, for medical bills and all of that as a country is more than any other nation, period, no matter how you look at that, right? And so one of the issues that comes with that is the health insurance, obviously, is very expensive. Um, and there's, a, there's another association out there called the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And they've got about 300, 350,000 members, all sm for the most part, right, small companies. Uh, they do a survey every four years. What are the biggest problems? And they lay out the top 75. And the biggest problem facing businesses for 30, 36 years now, since 1986, has been health insurance. 
right? Wow. Like that's always number one. Doesn't matter what the size of the business is, where it's located, how many employees, what the revenue, that's one of the biggest problems. And associations are frequently asked by members, is there something we can do as a group? Is there anything that we can figure out? And the laws are really complex. It's very hard for an association to create something. Um, and then the, the other issue that, that arises with this is that since the Affordable Care Act was signed, and again, this isn't political or, or anything, yeah. it's just, just where we live, right? This is how it works. That ACA law 12 or so years ago says, hey, look, insurance companies, you have to cover everybody for everything every day, right? And so you put those two things together and you end up with this really expensive health insurance that the primary strategy has been over the years to, to get the cost down. What everybody's doing is essentially just providing high deductible health plans. Right. And mm. the way that's marketed is, hey, the employee's got some skin in the game and they're going to be a better educated consumer and they're going to make better decisions. It doesn't really work that way. Right. What happens is you end up after a couple of years of raising deductibles as a business owner, you end up with this high deductible health plan where everybody feels like they don't have health care. There's no coverage. Right. Yeah. I, th I, th I thought I saw something a week or two ago that said the average American has less than a thousand dollars in their bank account. Like 70% of us don't even have that, right? So they can't afford that. So, yeah. right. And so, and, and this is a personal story and it's not meant to be, it's just, it, it is it is what it is, right? So so I know what, what having high deductible plans is like. I know what it means because if you have that, very often when you get sick, um, you may not get treatment when you should, right? And then mm -hmm. something small turns into something big. And that actually, right, that happened to my mother. Um, so it was three years ago, she, she died of lung cancer, right? And don't get me wrong, that's not, right? Insurance didn't kill her, she smoked, right? And I'm not yeah. here to tell anybody whether you should or shouldn't smoke, right? But that for her started with a little cough that she ignored, right? Mm -hmm. And then until she couldn't. And by the time she did get it looked at, stage four lung cancer, $250,000 worth of treatment that didn't end well, right? Didn't, didn't, didn't make it better, right? So. Yeah. So if you have that type of coverage, um, it shouldn't be a big surprise that if everybody's ignoring issues and then going to get treated, right, that's going to be way more expensive. If the engine light comes on in your truck and you ignore it for eight months, what, you know, how big is that bill going to be, right? It's, it's a lot. And it's not a good outcome for the truck either, right? So if no. you've got everybody doing this, right, rates just as a whole keep going up as a country. So what the association has, has found or endorsed is a direct response to those types of plans. Something where you're not having to use high deductible plans to make it affordable, but then providing a financial barrier to care, if that makes sense. So that's kind of long. Absolutely. Now I'm wondering, what, is, what does this mean to a, to a business owner? This new, where, where did this go? This, um, this new unique package. What what does it mean to a to a pressure washer that's in the association? Got it. So so right like like you asked the question earlier about a small business being able to set up benefits, or it could be even a company that's well established. It's much larger. It has an existing benefits package, but maybe they're using those high deductibles. Um, or we've talked to companies right where they're 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 having issues with a collective bargaining agreement. Regardless, yeah. right? There's there's something that 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 needs to happen there with benefits, but. So what you know what it might look like, or, or what's different, or how how that might might apply to a business is, if you're going to offer health insurance, 
right? And you're brand new. You're going to go to a broker and the broker is going to say, give me all your employees information, ages, birth dates, zip codes. And they take that back yeah. to the insurance company, right? And they come back with the rates. And then if you have that plan, then that rate goes up 20% and you're, you're doing that sales meeting with the, the insurance guy the next year over and over. So what this is doing is, is actually completely different. So, so if I'm, if I'm understanding the question correctly, what this is providing is 10 different options for a small business owner that's actually affordable mm-hmm. um, and, and actually has different requirements, right? So the, the brokered version of health insurance through a Blue Cross or United Healthcare requires the business to have um, full-time employees, a certain number maybe depending on the state, or maybe a certain percentage of them have to participate. Could be, you know, like 70, the call that I was on yesterday, or I'm sorry, this morning, 75% of the employees had to, had to, qual- had to, had to participate. Um, mm-hmm. And then they'll have financial requirements of the business, right? You have to pay at least half of the employee's cost. Mm-hmm. So the plan that's endorsed through the associations are, have gotten rid of those rules. Right. There's no mandatory financial contribution on part of the on the part of the business. The minimum participation requirement could be as low as two employees. Right. And so from there, you have plans where all the plans have been set up with no deductibles. Right. So there's no financial requirement of the employee to seek care. And then from there, what happens is instead of a business owner being put in the position to determine how much more I'm going to punish employees when they're sick, right? How high am I going to make those deductibles? What this does is it puts the choices back on the employees. It gives them the control. They can create the insurance program based on their situation. What kind of way insurance was a long time ago, right? So that might be based, those decisions are essentially based on what do I make? What can I afford? And how do I actually consume healthcare? Right. Yeah. How often do I go yeah. to a doctor? How often do I go to the hospital? What kind of medications do I use? I can pick plans that make sense for me at that point. Right. And that's so awesome. that's how the cost is controlled. The employees mm-hmm. are picking the plans based on their situation. Maybe I'm 60 years old. And I'm not having kids anymore. So there's a plan in there that's not covering maternity. Maybe I'm 27 mm-hmm. and I never go to the doctor. Right. And this is reminding me of the episode from The Office where Dwight was tasked with with putting together or picking the 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 health insurance plan. So that's interesting to me. What what ended up happening? So in this, they they basically obviously it's a TV show, right. but they uh, the company ha- they ended up asking the, all the employees what ailments they had. Yeah, you can't which, do that, right? Which no, <laughs> obviously it's a comedy show, whatever. Right. It's a comedy show, but. That's something like the whole idea of that is, all right, We they wanted to get the more optimized health insurance for mm-hmm. everyone. So they we're trying to find out what everyone had and try to get the best health plan at the lowest cost that would fit all their needs. So this sounds like you've done that, but put the responsibility and the ownership of it in the in the hands of the the team the team members or the employees, and you're doing it the legal way and like the actual. Yeah, like, it's actually not a comedy. It's actually that you can do this, but you have to do it legally. And it's yeah, there is a way to do this. Um, interesting. I'm gonna have to go find that episode. So um, yeah, you love that. Yeah. So, but yeah, you the employees could pick what makes sense for them, right? Like I'm 27, yeah. I don't even go to the doctor. I'm healthy, I'm strong, what do I care? But if something happens, mm-hmm. then I'd yeah. like to go to the doctor. Then I'd like to go to the hospital. I don't wanna have to pay 5,000 or 10,000 or 2,000 to do that, mm-hmm. right? I just wanna be able to go. So that's the difference in what they've created. Doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean that's what everybody wants. 
And when we're consulting with larger companies, right, this might be one part of a, of a bigger strategy, right, that yeah. we're doing other things with. But essentially what's happening here is, is business owners are being given an option that they wouldn't normally have, right? There's, there's essentially two ways to set up health insurance. And I use mm -hmm. this analogy a lot, it, it, and it's kind of weird, but it, it's kind of like how you can get dinner, right? Dinner, right? How you eat, right? There's two ways to do that. One which is real easy, go to a restaurant, mm -hmm. right? Everything's done for you. Here's your menu, pick something. There's somebody there to help you, right? Over mm -hmm. and done with, here you go. Everything's been set and there's a bill and it's usually the most expensive way to eat, but super easy, yeah. right? The other way is obviously you make your own dinner, all right? But it's gonna be customized, have everything you want. It's gonna be a lot less expensive, but small businesses don't get that choice. Um, but through this, they do. There's been a way it that it's been- It power to do that. Yeah. So the way this is structured, is it kind of like uh, a pooling together of multiple small companies in, in the association so they have more power, more leverage? Good question. I have to be careful of that word pooling, um, right? Oh, so, it's, so it's well, risk pooling. And yeah, risk pooling is not what's happening here, right? Yeah. So, so because if I say yes to that. Uh, but it's like uh, coming, it's, it's not, like an alliance. <laughs> it's well, yeah, it's 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 essentially what's happening here is is the the risk itself isn't being assessed that way without getting yeah. into the weeds on insurance and what's happening mm -hmm. back there. So um, what I'll say then is is because somebody's a member of the association, that allows us the opportunity to offer something that they wouldn't normally have access to, but it's not because the group itself is pooled for actuarial purposes and that we're yeah. basing rates on that. So again, that's a, right. I have to be, I have to be careful for compliance perspective on how I answer that. Uh, yeah. But if it's, if it's helpful to understand <laughs> that, right. Being part of the association is part of the value here, then yes, but the specifics behind it aren't, aren't a pool necessarily. So I, I shouldn't have said that word because I, I'm aware of what you're talking about. So I definitely should have avoided the industry jargon. No, I'm glad you do because I get that question every day, right? Am I being pooled? I'm like, no, no, each, each plan, each business within this is actually their own plan sponsor. They're setting everything up on their own. So their experience is unique. They're not going to dirty the pool in any way, right? That's not how it's yeah. looked at. And someone else isn't going to cause their rates to change. So necessarily, yeah. right? Like it's 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 looked at at a very, very large macro level, but yeah. unbelievably large. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what what do you expect this this uh, this program? What do you expect this to be able to, to do for a business? I'm just curious if if you see like what's the future of this program or or the companies that decide to use this program. So it it does provide them a, an alternative. Um, we've seen it where it's it's lowered rates dramatically for for almost all all involved where they get better mm -hmm. care or they get better customized care at a more affordable rate. Um, the best example I can give is one of the first companies I ever presented this to. Right, so this isn't brand new. Uh, it's been around for for about seven years. Mm -hmm. About 60,000, I'd say, almost 70,000 people in the plan currently all across the U.S. But um, I'm from Illinois. There's a horse, a horse farm not too far from where I live that had looked at this as part of a group, um, right? They had gotten access to it through their membership somewhere. Um, so horse farm, nine employees, three full-time, six part-time, didn't have enough employees to offer health, right? Even if they did, they couldn't afford it. And even if they could afford it, they weren't going to meet the participation minimums to even qualify, right? Mm -hmm. So so what they did for the three full-time employees 
is they provided a small stipend on the check, right? They ra essentially raised their wages so that the employees could turn around and, and buy health insurance. And they didn't do it in a, a tax advantaged way. Um, so, so one of the employees I actually got to talk to her. She's in her mid thirties and she was paying through the Illinois affordable ACA marketplace for her health plan for just her about $490 a month. It was a little, little above that. Um, and for that, she got a plan that had a $6,000 deductible, right? <laughs> Which is kind of nuts. Like if you think about like. <laughs> Like, let's say you're going to lease a truck, right? You see those ads, it's only $490 a month, but then there's that fine print, 6,000 do it signing. Like yeah, you yeah. can't, you can't, it's not for, it's yeah. not 490 no. a month, right? So every year she's got to pay up to 6,000 before the insurance even kicks in. It's yeah. insane, right? So there's the, the rates on this plan, they're the same for everybody all across the country. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. But the, the yeah. plan that she elected, which was the richest plan, was was just over six hundred dollars a month. No deductible at all. all. Right. So was it more per month? Yeah, about a hundred and some change more. Um, but that's what we see. So the company was able to actually now offer a health insurance benefit because there wasn't the, the crazy requirements up front for participation. There was They didn't have to up the amount of money they were giving the employees. They could just continue that stipend, but do it through this benefit program. And now they're mm -hmm. able to do it in a way that actually um, benefits the employees. And then here's the other thing, because the employees were paying for a portion of it, right? They're getting, um, they're getting that tax-free up front. Section 125 yeah. is the IRS tax code. But then the business is getting a tax break in addition to that on their FICA. And now they're able to offer a plan to everybody because this lets you do anybody, right? You can mm -hmm. part-timers, seasonal help. Anybody can be a part of this plan if you want them to. So now they had a plan that was for everybody. They, they were able to do this for everybody, regardless of whether they're full-time or part-time. They didn't have to increase the amount of money they were paying. The employees got better benefit coverage, right? So again, it's not 100%. I don't want you to think that this is, I don't want this to be some sort of hokey sales pitch. <laughs> we do not bat 100%. It's not yeah. always going to work out this way, but, but a lot of times it does. You end up with something way more affordable, way more customizable, something that the business can actually offer. And considering that, Nobody seems to be able to hire people these days for the most part. You actually yeah. now could have something much more enticing that, that maybe the competition doesn't, um, could make a difference. So while we have you here, I know that this HR stuff is your specialty and that in finance. And I'm wondering, uh, it doesn't just have to be health insurance related. What do you see working in hiring? I, I know there are probably um, shortages in, in, in hiring uh pools of, of people mm -hmm. sorry to use that term again uh, <laughs> but labor supply is diminished. yeah labor yes. supply all, yeah so what do you see working or or not working in this industry that that you'd like to bring up or recommend it's it's just a matter of finding the right people again right so the it feels almost like the labor supply has shifted um just a little bit like the um well so without getting into that the um <laughs> it's a whole different can of worms the um, the things that seem to be working most within within contractors is is essentially going after industries where um, where employees feel like it's a dead end, 
right? If you're going to go after that. So I'm seeing two sides to it. One is target a different industry where you might be able to bring somebody in, teach them, coach them, give them a culture, make them feel good, right? There's a whole, the whole, the whole part to making them feel like they're doing something worthwhile and they may even make a difference, right? Yeah. Yes. Purpose, boosting morale. Correct. All of that piece that any HR person is going to talk to you about. (laughs) <laughs> um, but then the other side of it would be picking off key employees from competition. I hate to say that, right? I'm talking about an association. You don't want to, you you're competing, but you're friendly within the association. But there, there's going to be an element of of where can I pull from my competition? Um, so anyway, from a hiring perspective, that's what I'm seeing work is is the target. Then what is it that you're selling? Right? Is it is it that culture? Um, is it that you have something long term? Is there a path? Is there is there is there a comparable wage? Is it is it work that I'm going to enjoy? Is it being sold to them properly? And and that's the other piece to it is how are you presenting it um, during the interviews? Quite honestly, but yes, there should be some benefits. Um, retirement plans oddly are working really well in the industry. Most business owners thought that was something they couldn't do. Um, really? That's just again the, a lack of knowledge. There's a way to design retirement plans that that benefit you as an owner, even if the employees don't want it. Wow, you can do that. Can, can you explain that a little bit? Ooh, that's a tough one. But yes, so again, we've got to be careful here, right? So, yeah, not not talking investments. I'm not a licensed yeah, yeah. broker. I'm not selling. Yeah, you know, a, a, an investment option or a mutual fund, but just but conceptually, conceptually, yes. So, so again, the the primary strategy. Let's just say it's taxes. There's three reasons why you set up a retirement plan, right? One is going to be um, I'm I'm looking to pay less taxes to the IRS. Two is it's an employee benefit, right? I want to attract good people. And then three is I'm actually trying to take some money out of my business, right? I want to protect it. Um, So there's different ways you can do that. The way that most brokers recommend that you start is with something called a simple IRA. And again, I'm not a broker. I'm not, and I'm not recommending that. Um, But what I will say from experience um, is somebody that that designed a lot of plans. I'm a, an accredited plan designer, a, a, um, ARPC is a designation, Accredited Retirement Plan Consultant. Um, y- you can, y- the brokers that tend to, ad- to advise that you set one of those up, very often what we see are investments with high fees in them. And again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go across that line as to what's appropriate and what's not. Um, however, I will say that in general for myself personally, when I invest, I don't want a lot of my money going to somebody else. I want it to stay in the investments because that's how it grows. And if I have to overcome high fees, then I'm essentially I'm starting at a loss, mm-hmm. uh, right? So, so you'll see advisors um, setting things up that that seem free on the front end, but maybe aren't quite so free. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a way to take that simple IRA concept and use the 401k concept and put those numbers, those contribution amounts and the tax savings essentially on steroids. And then within that 401k structure, um, if you're not getting the employee participation you want, there's something called a safe harbor, which you can use to, again, put that on steroids. And then as your company grows, there's a profit sharing component that you can use. Same thing. You can use that to entice employees to to stay, to, to to join you. You can use it to shelter tax dollars. You can use it to shelter money. If something should happen to your business, 401ks are protected. They can't go after it, right? So unless you did something fraudulent with the IRS. So. 
but right like i don't know if i have a good answer for that but, yeah, yeah. but from the retirement plan perspective there are a lot of very affordable easy ways to set those up and design them so that you are getting an awful lot in the way of tax savings because the other option is to go out and buy equipment right again i'm not an accountant don't don't yeah. right talk to your accountant talk to your advisors <laughs> yeah. but it could be i'm going to go buy a truck so i'm going to pay $60,000 to get a $24,000 tax break. But I'm, I'm out, right? I'm out that money and now I have an asset that's depreciating. Or, yeah. or I could take that money and I could put it in a retirement plan account and, and I'm getting the tax break, but I'm keeping the money. So there's, mm -hmm. again, I'm, I'm being kind of high level and vague here. There's different ways to do that. If somebody wants to talk about it, I'm happy to have the, the conversation, but so there, there were a lot of a lot of great uh, topics today. A lot of high high level concept stuff. So if someone does want to reach out to you and ask you some questions, how should they reach you? Uh, uh, easiest way is the email, right? Steve Wilson at CBiz, right? Charlie Bravo Indigo Zebra. I can't remember. It's been a while since I was in the. Something like that. Something like, Something that. like Something like Zulu, Zulu. Maybe. Zulu. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, anyway. Zebra, maybe. But right. regardless, that's easy. Steve.Wilson at CBiz. That's that's easy. Yep. And then, or, you know, I got a cell phone as well if you want to reach out. If I don't pick up, I'm, I'm talking to somebody else and I'll, I'll call back. But that's 773 203 And happy to have a discussion. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Jay. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm sure our audience will take take Steve up on that. Reach out to him if you have any questions. Uh, as we've seen today, there are a lot of ways to, to optimize all this stuff to, to help your business in ways you might not have thought. Um, and one it seems to be is employees and hiring and, and employee retention, which can be hugely beneficial and when it all said, said and done and costs and, and growth of your business. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, is there anything else you, any other nuggets you want to leave um, with our audience today? Any, no, any I recommendations? Like, I feel like about all my, all my answers were way too long winded. So if somebody <laughs> finds some value in it, by all means, I, I hope so. And I hope it helps them. If not, you had a question and I can point you in the right direction. I'm, I'm happy to do that too. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thank you to our audience for tuning in on this episode of Under Pressure. We're, we're very excited uh, to have all this engagement on Instagram. So thank you um, if you're engaging with us there. If not, check us out on Instagram. It's under underscore pressure underscore PW underscore podcast. It's a long one, but under pressure podcast on Instagram, uh, like subscribe, share, send this to uh, another pressure washer that, that you uh, want to help grow with, with great information from great guests like Steve. Uh, we have a lot of episodes coming out in the near future, a lot of great guests scheduled uh, and DM us if you have anyone you want to be a guest on the show or any topics you want covered on the show. Uh, we would love to bring you the guests and topics that you want to hear. So thank you very much again, Steve. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Jake. Have a great day. My pleasure, Steve. Thank you. And we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit the bell so you won't miss our next episode. This episode was produced by Jake Aronson. This has been a Pair Payments production.